0: I welcome those watching online as well. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. And we are in a brand new series that we're calling Resurgence, Taking Ground in Your Life and Faith as we're uh, studying a book of the Bible, Titus. going to be a little bit of a turn from our last series where we looked at relationships, in our next series is we look at sort of how we manage and deal with just the stress of life. I think you're going to uh, enjoy it. Uh, as I was watching that video, I was thinking about uh, New Year's resolutions. I know that's weird to think about this time of year, but my wife had me... in. And my daughters, we made these boards, they got them on Pinterest or whatever, where you sort of uh, talk about what you're going to do and accomplish and words and all of that around uh, what your goals are for the next year. And I looked at that and saw all my goals, and I got to tell you, it's depressing. Uh, Like one of my goals was I was going to lose 13 pounds this year, and the good news is I only have 19 to go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, and, and you know, there can be, as we look at life, we can have a bit of a disconnect from uh, maybe what, how it should be, how sometimes even God says it could be, and what we experience. And in this series, uh, we're, we're really looking at your faith. And how God has called you to live that out and experience that. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper. There might be a couple things that are challenging as well. But I really believe that God has something incredible for us as we uh, move towards him together. In Ephesians 3, it says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I love that verse because it's so encouraging, right? God can do more in His working in us. And, uh, and I say that's wonderfully encouraging, yet sometimes that's not my reality. And then I come across those three words that said, to him who is able. He's able to do it, but things get in the way. I mean, we all have wonderful plans, right? Uh, like the greatest experts on parenting... Are always people who don't have children yet, right? Yeah, because I, hey, I can tell you, and then I have kids, and then, you know, the, the more kids you have, the less of an expert you actually become. And so uh, we need to consider not only what God calls us towards, and we are going to do that in this series. I'm going to sort of introduce it this week, and then we're going to get a little deeper in the next four weeks, uh, but how to get there. Well, one of the things we can do first is simply to identify what are the stumbling blocks along the way. The first one is, is accepting cultural narratives. Now, uh, if, you've ever, if you're a church person, I didn't grow up in church, so I didn't have that experience, that maybe you are hearing culture is bad and society is bad, and, and there's some truth to that, but there's wonderful things in uh, the country we live in and the society we live in But there's also some things that we need to challenge. In fact, maybe it's something from your background that needs to be challenged. I travel a little bit, and so uh, I take Ubers. Uber is an incredible experience sometimes. Sometimes it's horrific. And uh, if you don't know what I mean, you have not traveled much. Uh, So sometimes you'll meet an interesting person who wants to talk to you, or just a quiet person. And then sometimes you'll meet a person, and you're saying... Uh, you have things in your system you should not have, and you're driving me around. Uh, We had one lady, my wife and I were in Florida. She had all these air fresheners. You know what I mean, right? Right? And I'm like, hey, that was not hiding what was going on uh, in this car. So I had this Uber driver, and uh, this guy was quite talkative, uh, was raised primarily in Virginia, although his parents were from uh, another country, and uh, he he was talking to me uh, about politics and you know his views on 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 everything, and he was just really going off. Uh, I didn't really ask him to, but he assaulted my ears for uh, a period of time. And then he said, "Do you know what's wrong with this country?" And I thought, "No," but I bet I'm about to find out. <laughs> and he goes, "The Jews." Yeah, no, he, he literally he said the Jews are wrong with this country. I'm like, dude, did you not see when you picked me up, my name is Benjamin Samuel Sigmund. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, I mean, evidently, you know, a little, little, little bit anti-Semitic and racist and not too bright either. So, uh, but, so he's talking, and he goes off, and he's like, yeah, the Jews are all in and, and all of this, and, he, and he's saying everything that's wrong in this country. I can't really believe what I'm hearing, and of course, you know, many of you know, I come from a Jewish background, and so uh, part of me wanted to lay hands on them in the name of the Lord, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, just, you know, just, and, you know, sometimes you can have those spiritual moments where you pray to God, and it's a holy moment, or you kick someone in the shins, and it's a holy moment too, and uh, but, but I, I decided uh, to, uh, I, I said, uh, so why do you think that? And he said, well, you know, he, he went to sort of a private school where, where they actually sort of taught that kind of thing. And uh, he was talking about his family environment. And, and he had, uh, I mean, granted, he needs to own some of his own reality, but uh, he, he was brought up in an atmosphere where that was the narrative, uh, hard to believe in our country, that was literally taught to him. And, and, I, and honestly, I felt bad for him in some ways. I felt bad for him, because he was blaming everything that wasn't going right in his life on someone else. I mean, not, not only is it ridiculous by any, by any means, and, and he had bought into this, and you know, he's never going to uh, experience life how he should. He's never going to experience those things that God has for him, because he, he's buying into a cultural narrative uh, that doesn't work and uh so by the way i'm usually very generous when i ride uber and tip well and so i thought ah you think the jews are cheap i'm gonna prove it to you no tip for you <laughs> and uh <laughs> so i did i that was the only thing i did that i didn't think he deserved a tip so uh, so uh, but but as that i was thinking about even as a church and as churches, that we can buy into a cultural narrative. And, and I want to say this because I want to challenge it a little bit with you. And for me as well. I remember when uh, I came here, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine who came here around the first time. And when we were a church, we had one single service, one campus. We didn't have all the campuses, all the online stuff that's going on uh, either. And uh, there's a guy who uh, considered himself the self-appointed theologian of the church. And he was saying, well, hey, I heard you talk about, you know, what you want to do and stuff, uh, but you just don't know Seattle. You know, I'm raised in this area. But he said, you don't know Seattle, that you really can't reach people. Seattle is not very spiritual. I'm like, yeah, people are spiritual. People worship their dogs and coffee. They may be weird spiritual, but they're spiritual. And uh, and he goes, no, you really can't reach anyone in Seattle. And, and I told him, and I said, you know what, I just don't think that God ran plum out of ideas when he got to the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but he had bought into a narrative, and uh, I mean, honestly, there, even on the bottom floor, there weren't this, the whole church didn't have this, this, this many people in it. He had bought into a narrative that God couldn't do something. And sometimes, because of our own experience, We buy into these false narratives. Hey, I understand it's a challenging time, really, uh, in culture and and for Christianity, where uh, cultures become less friendly to the gospel. You know what? The gospel often thrives in those environments. And so the question is, do I believe my God is big enough? See, oftentimes what we, what we have is a, a short view of history. We have this view of history where we just see our moment right now. And by the way, this will get you in trouble in your marriage, with your family, in, in your workplace, where you're just myopic. And God always told uh, the nation of Israel, my people, and he, uh, he told them in the Old Testament to remember. He's, he, because he knew our tendency to experience God in a powerful way and wander off in ways that are that are away from him and then we wonder what happened and so he says remember what I've done because God can still work miracles and if you don't believe God can still work miracles you did not watch the Seahawks game on Thursday night And uh, Yeah, now that is a, it was an ugly win, but it was a win. And uh, so I didn't get to watch the game because I was speaking to, this will tell you uh, what an important person I am not, I was invited to speak to this group, uh, and this is as niche as you can get, of second generation Slavic pastors who are planting English speaking churches in the United States of America. And I'm like, this is great. Are we going to meet in a booth in Denny's or what? (laughs) Uh, I mean, because they're, and and, uh, so I went, a friend of mine who sort of leads this movement nationally, uh, there are hundreds of people in the room. And I'm like, wow, this is very, very interesting to see these people representing, I think, 38, 39 states. And, And he described to me a little bit about the history in his home country, the Ukraine, and what happened is, is there was this great revival in America. One of the most powerful movements that we still experience today. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. Happened in Los Angeles, California. And God's power worked in a, in a major way uh, spread across this nation. There were a couple people who are immigrants from the Ukraine. And they were there, and God worked in their life, and they became convicted that they should go back to their country and share about Jesus. Well, it was just a few years later that the Iron Curtain fell on Eastern Europe. And if you've ever traveled there, you know that not only were they anti-religion places like Albania, they actually executed pastors and priests. And so, really, not much happening spiritually. And so, when the Iron Curtain uh, lifted, we, we found a, an, an environment where a lot of people were, just didn't know God at all, except in the Ukraine. Ukraine was different than most other countries, and they found not a few, not thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people who were passionately following Jesus Christ in the Ukraine. And So now get this, and a lot of these were the descendants of two people who met God in the Azusa Street Revival, hundreds of thousands of people in the Ukraine, now spreading all over Eastern Europe, and now there's hundreds of them saying, we want to make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ in this country. Would have you ever written that story? No, we wouldn't. But see, God can do more than we can ask or even imagine. Now, I, I understand that this can be uh, a difficult time uh, for churches. And some of it, you know, sometimes churches have a hard time adjusting to style, or maybe there's a leadership transition, or they're mono-ethnic, which really doesn't work in our society anymore. Uh, but sometimes, honestly, they've gotten away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God cannot bless it. He doesn't even want to. And so, we need to understand that as long as we're faithful to God's word... We don't worship the Bible, but it does tell us how to live. We follow God. That God says, I do a new thing, and will you step into that? See, oftentimes what we buy into is, number three, sum thinking. The idea is that if it's going to be, it's up to me. And God wants to do so much more. I got just looking at a couple emails I received. uh, One, uh, I like... Uh, I like Timberlake. It is not a churchy church. I am very church adverse and really only started attending because it makes my boyfriend happy. Uh, that, that's, you know, we get that every once in a while. Uh, God will use all sorts of motivations. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ today because I was following a cute girl to church. And uh, uh, she didn't follow me back, though. uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, I have come to look forward uh, to our Sundays at Timberlake and enjoy the message. I grew up a Jehovah's Witness and attended church three times a week. I have never had a theological bent, so left the church when I was 18 and had a strong desire not to return. Due to issues, I experienced my teens. I, str- I have very strong feelings, Caps, against organized religion, which is great. We're not that organized, so that's awesome. And uh, thank you for helping me find and follow Jesus. See, sometimes number four, we count God out. And this is what I want. I want us to think about this as a church and individually. This is not just for what we're going to do, but what God wants to do in you as well. You know, uh, so uh, if you've ever, when I was getting my uh, doctorate, I I was living in Arizona, and I had to drive, this is, you know, I didn't take online classes, I had to drive for a couple weeks at a time to uh, Pasadena, California when I was uh, in school, and so I'd have to drive across the desert. Any of you ever drive across the Mojave Desert? Yeah, yeah, it's not, there's nothing there. It looks sort of like this in some places. Uh, there might be some tumbleweed or something like that. And the reason is, is because there's no rain there, there's really no life there. And so, because of the lack of rain. Well, an interesting thing happened uh, in 2004, and it shouldn't have been able to happen because of uh, what that place is, is that seven inches of rain fell in the Mojave Desert. And uh, what surprised everyone is what it looked like not too long after that. And what people had thought is that the desert was dead, and what they found out, it was simply dormant. That it was just waiting for this event where life would be poured into it, water, and it flourished like no one ever thought it could flourish. And I think that's so true of our lives with Jesus Christ. If you haven't accepted Jesus. That happens. You can flourish. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. That can happen, I truly believe, in our, in our region. One of our uh, values is that we would raise the spiritual temperature of this region, not only through our church and our campuses, the churches we plant, but help make it an atmosphere where people are more receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, now that is the longest introduction ever to The book of Titus. And some of you are saying, oh, you got like more after this? Yes, I do. (laughs) But I'm going to speak fast, so you listen fast. Will you do that? Uh, So so the book of Titus is one of the three pastoral epistles. It's the shortest of the three, uh, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and and then Titus. It was written to a non-Jewish believer who has been called to leadership, in itself, countercultural. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, he, he... he speaks differently here a lot of the letters in the bible it's addressing problems by the way if you ever if you ever wonder if there were problems in in bible times read 1st corinthians they were a pretty messed up group of people This doesn't address a problem because there's a time to recover and to be forgiven and to be renewed, but there's also a time for resurgence. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul is saying. Hey, I know there's persecution. I know things are going on, but God wants to take some ground. Will you be part of it? And we read this, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior, to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Jesus Christ, our Savior." And in that, uh, those first few verses, we learn a, th- a few things. He's saying to Titus, he says, God's promises don't change. That God, even though society has changed, his promises don't change. God has a truth that can guide your life. In fact, Jesus says you'll know the truth and it'll set you free in uh, John 8, 32 That you can have peace in an unsettled world, whether it's society, whether it's by, you know, the news channels drives me nuts at this point, or uh, whatever it is, or maybe it's just your own life. And that there's grace for you on your worst days. That you don't need to come get it all all cleaned up to come to God, but that Jesus did the work for us. And so if you want a resurgence faith forward, I think there's five key commitments that will help you along the way. The first one is pretty simple and straightforward, and that's to keep Jesus central. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God the Father, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this is important, and as I said before, can be confusing if you're part of Timberlake. Because like we have A ton of people for our Senegal missions trips and the stuff we do around the world in relief work. Or or you'll hear uh, about, uh, let's say, Acres of Diamonds. And uh, where we took that over a number of years ago, helped restart that. And now its success rate is really unparalleled in solving homelessness in the region. In fact, there's something happening I can't tell you yet because actually uh, it involves a government agency signing off on it. But they're, uh, it, because this is uh, a Christian endeavor. And so you say, okay, we're all about helping people. We, we are about helping people, but our faith in Jesus Christ propels that. It's not just good people doing good things. It's because Jesus gave his best, I give my best for others. We can talk about holiness, and that God wants our lives to align, to be to honor him. And that is important. I believe in that. But... That flows from a life with Jesus Christ. There's also truth. We believe in truth. God's truth. Not our opinion, your opinion, my opinion. There's justice. We need justice in our world. And I hope Christians are at the forefront of that. But it, but it comes from a faith in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you? Because here's what happens. If anything becomes its equal, Jesus plus anything else equals nothing. It means no growth in your life. Jesus is at the forefront, and because of that, there's holiness, there's justice, there's mercy, there's works of compassion. And so we, we need to say, is Jesus central in my life? Uh, have you ever uh, come across, what's well, probably happened to you, where you lose one of these? Yeah, and, and what happens? In general, uh, you're probably like me. I lose my phone. Ah, where's my phone? Uh, yeah, I lost my phone, not a big deal, I can't find my phone, I go to all the places I thought it might be, and then you're like, oh, oh, yeah, have you seen my phone? And then it goes, hey, will you call my phone? Uh, Will you help me look for my phone? Hey, did you steal my phone? And, you know, and so, because this is a connection to the world, right? Well, what happens, and I, I ask myself this question, is if I didn't have this connection to God, would I even notice See, uh, one of the saddest verses in the Bible, in the older part of the Bible, (laughs) written in the Old Testament, was to, uh, it, it talks about a guy named Samson. And it says, the Lord left him and he didn't even know it. That's why Jesus is central. And then we need to, number two, just avoid the dumb taxes. Uh, and you know what I mean is that we all have problems. You don't believe that? The Bible anticipates that in Hebrews 12.1. It says, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And, and the descriptor there is that we can get stuck. We can get in sinful patterns of behavior. And then, but then it says to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And the cloud of witnesses are those who help us walk through it. Uh, One of our slogans around here is no one stands alone. And that's not only because we want you to feel wanted and welcome. In fact, there's an article in the Seattle Times on Saturday, again, on the Seattle Freeze. Uh, Any of you get the Times, or am I? Yeah, there's three of us who still get the newspaper. Uh, So it's going out of business sometime soon. Anyway, but I'm trying my best. So the, uh, but it talked about how people feel in, in our society. There's something about our area where often people feel disconnected. And we believe the Church of Jesus Christ is where everyone should feel wanted. And that happens, though, when we put ourselves out there where we say, I'm going to take a step. In fact, next week, we, uh, there's three areas, and these aren't in the outline. I, I think there's community, there's friends, there's mentors. Next week, we have our Discover Timberlake cl- uh, class. It's like an hour after service, food, childcare, all that provided. But it's an entry point for you to connect. And if you don't go through that portal, it might be harder for you to connect. You don't have to, but I, I just want that for you. And then maybe uh, groups, we had, we've had tons of groups launched this season, and uh, some are still yet to start. If you haven't connected to a group, this is the last week for this cl- uh, season to sign up, because we all need friends around us. And then there's mentors. Someone in your life, and this is not programmatic, you can't, it's hard to have a mentor program, because those rarely work, honestly. But where someone's just a little further along in their faith and they're speaking into your life, where they challenge you. And in fact, we did the, uh, we did the Enneagram as sort of we, as we looked at marriage for the last four weeks. And I heard someone say that everyone needs a type eight Enneagram in their life, which is the Challenger. Uh, you just don't need too many of them. <laughs> and uh, so that's me. I'm one of the, uh, the eights. So uh, we need people like that in our life to help us avoid the dumb taxes. And then uh, number three, we need to be consistent in God's presence. Uh, and now, I know I'm talking to you. You're at church, and uh, worship is important. Weekly worship uh, is key to be connected. And, like, I, things have changed in our culture, I've met a couple people in the last few weeks who are part of our online campus and came to visit. I mean, I don't even know how it works. I, I literally last night, I meet a family from China who lives in Canada and is part of the online church every week. And it's like, okay, God can do anything, can't he? And the truth is, though, we need to be regular in some way in worship. It says in Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And then work hard on the right things. And this is where we need to challenge a little bit of the cultural narrative. Last week I uh, did a little shtick on the Hallmark Channel. My, my wife loves that. Uh, which, by the way, you guys are awesome in that I actually got applause at one of the services. No one applauds when I teach a scripture, but when I talk about the Hallmark Channel, I got applause. So the, uh, and so. Uh, It's predictable, right? You know what else is predictable? In June, we had graduations. Almost every graduation speaker is going to say, follow your dreams, right? And that's not bad. I hope you have aspirations and hopes for my kids as well. That is important. Just don't let it direct your life. Because you know what Jesus says? He never tells you to follow your dreams. He says, follow me. I know that's hard, but if you follow your dreams and you're saying there's a disconnect and I'm not finding life, it's predictable. Jesus says, follow me. In fact, he says, those who lose their life for my sake will find life. You're missing life. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you and I want to go all in with you. And I, I don't know what that'll mean, but I know the answer is in you. You're struggling with doubts. The Bible says, come let us reason together. You're struggling with sin and, and just issues that are continue. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to work hard on the right things. It says this, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Uh, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then number five, lean into this moment. This is where we we have, and maybe even today you're saying, Ben, you know, you said some things that are maybe interesting or challenging or encouraging. Lean into that moment because God, God wants to do through you more than you can ask or imagine, and he is able to do it but you know where it begins with it begins with a heart that is submitted to him and his purposes where we say Lord I need you God I want to I want to honor you first and foremost in fact we've had baptisms across our campuses this weekend and we have some in this service as well in fact uh, we have uh, a number of students being baptized in this service People saying, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. We're told in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.